Hey, Matt, Longhorn Long. Uh-oh. Longhorn live stream needs to be on the background. There you go. I'll tweet it out. All right. Let's go, Matt. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined uh, by Ian Boyd and Joe Cook, both of InsideTexas.com. Joe, the beat reporter for the Longhorns, uh, and Ian Boyd, our X's and O's expert. We're going to talk a little football, a little portal action, even some basketball today. Joe heard from uh, Chris Beard, the Texas basketball coach, earlier this morning. Uh, Joe, give us an update. The Longhorns up in New York City preparing to play uh, Illinois tomorrow night at MSG. Uh, what was the latest from Chris Beard and his take? Yeah, he, he mentioned that uh, he likes having a Madison Square Garden game or a New York City game. I think they've played in New Jersey or Brooklyn uh, a couple times. They like doing that for the program, having fun with that. Uh, interesting matchup. Uh, not only, you know, Brad Underwood, a guy who's got a lot of connections to the state of Texas. I think he was at SFA, uh, obviously a really good coach. But uh, for Tech, you know, Terrence Shannon, uh, he used to play for Beard at Tech transferred up to Illinois, former Westlake guard and or forward, I guess, former Baylor Bear, Matthew Mayer, also up there at Illinois. And uh, this is Texas' first time really hitting the road big time. Uh, I don't know how much a bus from Austin to McAllen or maybe a flight from Austin to McAllen uh, counts as traveling, but this is flying to JFK and, you know, going and seeing the sights and sounds and playing in New York City. So, should be an interesting one. Uh, a lot of good players on the floor uh, tomorrow night between both Texas and Illinois. And, you know, kind of the last big test, uh, I guess if you want to include Stanford and Dallas, that that somewhat counts. But last big test on the Longhorns non-conference schedule before the calendar turns and Big 12 play starts. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, they're out, they're up there hanging out. Um, uh, you know, they I saw a picture of them at the Empire State Building. Uh, yesterday, the team, along with Chris Beard at the top of the Empire State Building, they're they're, they're having fun. It's the typical preseason stuff. Uh, did uh, the Chris Beard have anything specifically interesting to say uh, earlier today, Joe? When you talked to him, um, talking about playing former players, uh, he, he noted, you know, with playing Terrence Shannon, you know, that's a guy that he coached with at uh, or coached at Texas Tech, and. There's going to be a handful of players like that. They're going to see Trey Mitchell later in the year. They'll see, you know, maybe they run into Arizona at some point and run into Courtney Ramey. Uh, how weird that is um, and just how it's part of the the modern era of, of basketball with the the transfer portal playing such an impact and building rosters. Um, and the other, he told a good Bob Knight story. Um, and, you know, sometimes he goes a roundabout way of telling the story said he was recruiting with the former, you know, Texas Tech and Indiana coach on a trip. And uh, he asked, what's the key to good defense? And, you know, you can kind of start from anywhere. But uh, Bob Knight, I think he told Chris Beard, you know, it's all about perimeter, the guards on the perimeter, the guys who can stop the ball at the top. Uh, Because, you know, wherever else, I asked about um, rim protection. 
Uh, and Dylan DeSue, he said, was banged up at that Creighton game, but should be full go for this one. That's their better rim protector. I don't know if they have a best rim protector, but that's their better rim protector. Uh, but even with, you know, a guy like him, Chris Beard said it's all about, you know, the guards and being able to deny uh, further away from the basket than, you know, having to play defense close to the basket. That's interesting. Um, thank you for that update from Chris Beard, uh, Joe. Hey, Ian, uh, it announced it was announced yesterday uh, that the Longhorns will play Washington uh, in the Alamo Bowl uh, coming up. I think it's December 29th. Is that correct? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, um, December 29th. They're playing in the Alamo Bowl against Washington. UW 10 and 2 on a six game win streak behind new head coach Kellen DeBurr. Uh, also uh, with a new quarterback, Michael Penix, a transfer uh, out of Indiana that DeBurr had as the offense coordinator in Indiana when he was a freshman. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this matchup, Ian? I don't really like it for Texas so much. I think Washington's a pretty dangerous team. They had two 1,000-yard receivers. You had um, Phoenix throwing for, what was it, 4,000 yards? Yeah, 4,354 yards. 8.7 yards per attempt that tells you that it was a mix of good play action, but also some drop back. I actually watched them some earlier in the year and they were pretty impressive. Um, they, they, they look a, lot, a little bit like Sarkeesian would like Texas to look, uh, but they have the, you know, the veteran transfer quarterback rather than the, the young gun who's trying to learn the ropes on the fly. So it's, it's a tough matchup. I probably, a lot of their players will be inclined to play and not, opt out for the NFL because I don't know if how many of these guys are NFL prospects, whereas obviously Texas is going to lose a couple guys to the, to the, to the draft opt out. Overall, I, it it looks like the kind of game Texas benefited from in the past where they have some guys that are a little more hungry and and have something to play for. And the other team is kind of, you know, in off season mode already. Well, it was interesting. Michael Penix, the quarterback that we're talking about, a lefty uh, Southpaw, uh, he announced yesterday that he's coming back for another season yeah, uh, at Washington. So it's clear they're trying to build on something uh, with a veteran quarterback. So to your point, we also, uh, and, and I mentioned this uh, in the article today, this morning on InsideTexas.com. Uh, please subscribe if you're not already a subscriber there. It's, it's really worth it. Uh, but if we talk about it in that way, uh, we don't know whether B. John Robinson is going to play. I I think he's probably not, but I don't have anything to base that off of because Bijan Robinson hasn't said anything at all about it. Is that correct, Joe? Yeah, he's been pretty mum about the whole thing. Uh, and even whenever they press him about it, and not to say that they press him like hard, but it's like, all right, is this it? Is this it? And he, you know, keeps everything close to the it to the vest. So um, no, no declaration publicly from him yet, but I think and anybody watching and anybody on, on, on here, of course, we'd love to see him play one more time, but I think we also are very cognizant of what the best thing for Bijan is at this point in his career and are very understanding in, in what that decision might be. Who are some other guys that y'all are concerned with that might opt out of the bowl game? That I is? think you have to think about a lot of the, the, the super seniors, uh, maybe the, the COVID seniors, um, DeMarvian Overshone, um, you know, despite being a, a team leader, you know, what, why, why would he get injured in a game, um, uh, you know, this last game, uh, when he's trying to do everything that he can, uh, to prove himself. And there's the, uh, uh, you know, very valid other side of the coin. Hey, this is one more game to, you know, put yourself out there and, 
put good film on and show that you're a, you know, an NFL prospect. So, um, you know, part of me wonders if these fifth year guys who have played, you know, 40 something, 50, maybe even 50 games of college football, if they're ready to maybe pack it in and, you know, go ahead and start the next phase of their career. Uh, as far as I don't, I mean, aside from Bichon, there shouldn't really be any like junior declarations uh, yeah. that I can think of and seniors. I don't know. So um, I, I just kind of think the COVID seniors may be kind of ready to, to start their next phase, but Keandre, I'm kind yeah. of operating off a hunch. Keandre Coburn, Mora Ojomo, Anthony Cook, Christian Jones, um, uh, Demo, uh, as you mentioned, and then you have Roshan and Bijan uh, as well. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think Demo was actually improving as the season went on. And so with another good game on top of it, he actually might improve his draft stock. That would be my argument uh, for him. Whereas someone like a Keandre Coburn, I think that he just needs more tape in general. But at the same time, um, that might be a guy that wasn't necessarily getting better as the year wore on. Uh, and so you want to keep putting that tape out, out there uh, per se. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Longhorns do uh, and who, who ch- decides uh, to go into the uh, portal, I, I, or not portal, but uh, to the NFL draft uh, and, and forego this football game. I would hope uh, that the vast majority of those guys decide to stay and play in the bowl game. I certainly think that the, uh, some of them, uh, it's they're part of the team. You finish what you started, uh, that sort of thing. Now, let's, let's go into the portal. Uh, that is going to be the uh, predominant conversation over the next couple of weeks, along with finishing out recruiting, recruiting, uh, the first signing day is uh, December 21st, uh, but portal recruiting is a little bit different. Uh, it officially opens today for uh, FBS players, and they can go and decide where they're going to go anytime in the next 45 days, I believe, uh, from when it opens or after 40 days, 45 days after it opens. Um, it's interesting because we've already seen a, a, a bunch of names jump in. We'll see more uh, jump in over the next uh, day or two uh, or three. I want to focus first on the ones from Texas that are leaving. Really, at this point, the one that is the focal point is Hudson Card, the quarterback uh, out of Lake Travis. He officially entered the portal earlier today. Uh, He is looking at a number of schools, uh, but he's got some company now, whereas at one point he looked like he might be one of the better quarterbacks, if not the very best quarterback available in the the transfer portal. All of a sudden today, the, the North Carolina State starter, it two or three year starter jumps in the portal. Keaton Slovis from Pittsburgh jumps in the portal. Starter started both at USC and Pitt. He's in the portal. Um, you know, I think that if anything was underestimated as we went into the portal, and I, I know we talked it it's going to be chaos and all this stuff. It's the quality of player that's going to be available in the in the portal. A two year starter at offensive line for Alabama went into the portal this morning. I mean, that, that's just nuts to me. Uh, and I, I think that if anybody underestimated anything, it was that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think when all these uh, quarterbacks started jumping in there, there was a good argument to say that Card may have been the, the top one at a very early portion of all these this news breaking. Now you've got Devin Leary. The biggest one is DJ Uyangale after yeah. Cade Klubnik took his spot in the ACC title game. 
So he's going to be one of the biggest fish out there. Uh, Brennan Armstrong from, from Virginia, who had a really good season uh, last year, not so great this year. And then, um, you know, just guys from around the whole, you know, basically all of college football. Vanderbilt, I think, had theirs jump in, um, you know, just all over the place. And, you know, we, we've even though the portal is probably – a lot more populated this year, thanks to the, and of course this window makes it more complex with this kind of being the 45 day period where it all happens and it starts today. One thing's held true, portal existing, portal not existing. Guys are kind of, you know, jumping in, looking for a place to play and the grass is not always going to be greener and they are going to learn, a lot of these players are going to learn that uh, the hard way in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so if Card, Card and Andre Karich, uh, Karich obviously not going to play in the bowl game now, so that Texas is going to have to look what they're going to do with the jumbo tight end look or just use uh, Gunnar Helm in that role, I think is my guess, uh, or best guess, or, or maybe even use Juan Davis a little bit uh, as a possibility. Um, but, you know, what, what I'm looking at right now uh, also is the guys that haven't gone in and haven't declared for the draft. Uh, two guys – key guys for the Longhorns have not said they're declaring for the draft and have not said they're, they're opting out or whatever. And they could return next year to Vondre sweat could go pro could go in the, I mean, you couldn't do anything he wants. It looks like he's returning to Texas next year. That's the equivalent of a big time portal transfer, in my opinion, because uh, he was not initially expected back the second. And this is going to surprise some folks because uh, we thought he was gone. Jordan Whittington, uh, is clearly considering returning to Texas for uh, an additional year. It was his first year healthy a year ago, or this past year, uh, and it's a possibility where he might be able to uh, get some uh, more more uh, action as a Longhorn. They they keep those two guys. That's pretty good work uh, by the Texas uh, staff to keep those guys on campus. Flex fullback Jordan Whittington. He had just fullback. <laughs> unbelievable season as a blocker um, when they would bring him in tight and run duo with the, him and the tight ends. They were just mauling people. Like I, I went back and watched that, those Baylor drives where they just ran almost the same play every drive, every snap. And um, yeah, it was a total reversal from the year before where Baylor's nickel Jalen Peter was blowing up Texas's tight ends. Instead it was Whittington doing the blowing up and just driving people down the field. That, I think that one is potentially massive. I mean, great blocker, um, reliable route runner. His hands were, you know, I'd say decent this year, potentially could be better next year. I, it didn't seem like Quinn Ewers and him had a really tight chemistry. It felt like uh, Whittington was a, a more featured target almost when Casey Thompson was the quarterback and they were throwing to the slot more. So I'd be really, really curious to see what he could do if he came back next year i think that would solve potentially a lot of problems for texas just in having reliable weapons in the program and also maintaining their identity as a as a power run team so i i yeah i think whittington would be a huge guy to get back and then to sweat to your point probably even better than a portal victory because uh you can't get defensive tackles that are 330 pounds and can rush the passer in the transfer portal sometimes out of the juco ranks you can find those guys, but it's tough. That's a that's a huge one. And one thing I think on on Whittington, um, you know, that's kind of a role that 
he, he had to be thrown out to that Z wide receiver position sometimes when Texas would go 12 personnel. Um, that's not what they did with him last year. And sometimes he had some tr tr trouble getting off of press coverage. It just was what it is. And he, not to say that he's a bad player. That's just a small hole in his game. Um, if they can get him back in the slot and have maybe someone like Brennan Thompson or, uh, you know, any of the uh, Jai Hall, I don't know, any anybody else uh, from that receiver core be able to play on the outside to let Whittington, you know, stay in the slot full time, that'd probably be best. I don't know who that's going to be or if it'll be any either of those two guys. I think, I think Ian has an answer for that. What did you say, Ian? Isaiah Nayor, if he's healthy, right? That, that Forgot about him. Yeah, that's, fingers that's crossed that fingers crossed that his his rehab is going well. I, yeah. I've yet to hear, um, and Joe, I don't know if you're closer to this than me, but I've yet to hear anything negative about Isaiah Nayor's offseason progress. But I also haven't heard anything positive. So right. um, usually, if something negative creeps up, we'll hear a little bit about it. You don't necessarily hear the positive, uh, like we had heard. Omiri wasn't necessarily doing well in his rehab. Same with Jaden Alexis at about the same time period. And so, like I said, fingers crossed uh, on that one. Um, guys, uh, Texas obviously going to be looking in the portal. Uh, Ian, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on what you think Texas really, really needs in the portal. Uh, and I'm one of those guys that, that believes that you can improve your team extremely a lot in the portal, like – by a, a, a standard deviation of two, really. You add four or five starters to this team uh, and you're looking at it. That's not likely uh, because you just, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a hard slog to do that. Uh, but what do you think Texas really needs uh, this office season? Like I'll just say it, safety has got to be a, a must um, given J.D. Coffey transferring. Really, Michael Taffy's the only one back. Uh, Jalen Gilbo's never played there. Jade Barron uh, may look more like corner than 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 uh, safety. I, is, other than safety, what what are you thinking right now that Texas needs to really try to focus in on? Yeah, well, I would say they have some flexibility in the secondary because with Barron Watts, uh, Jaron Thompson all back, all three of those guys have a little bit of flexibility. You probably don't want to move Watts because he's locked down boundary. He could probably play safety, but let's not, you know. But Barron could play, you know, probably any position back there. Uh, he's probably the best nickel in the Big 12, one of the best nickels I've seen in the Big 12 in a while, Jaron Thompson. Taffy gives you kind of a decent floor. So they may just – I mean, a safety is the obvious place to plug in there, but they could also just go for best available player in the portal at defensive back and just kind of move the pieces around to make it work. Um, well, I, I think my, my take on that is I don't think they – I don't think they can just do that. I think that because of depth, Ryan Watts goes out. Jameer Johnson's gone. Where's the boundary corner then? Is it Terrence Brooks? And yeah. you're, they have one injury. I, they they were proven, especially against Oklahoma State. You're right. They were proven too thin a year ago uh, during this past season. I don't think they can assume that a guy like B.J. Allen is going to be ready when B.J. Allen, is my understanding, is already up over 210 pounds uh, and going uh, uh, going higher potentially. So, oh. I, yeah, he's he's a guy that may end up at linebacker someday, which is something I never would have thought of uh, when he was being recruited. But my, my point to you guys is where where are we at 
I mean, I don't think they can just take one and best available. They need two guys in the secondary is my thought process, probably a corner and a safety. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying they could get best available and, and move the pieces around. Probably they would be well served to at least get a Diamante Tucker Dorsey type at safety, right? If not better, just to have a guy that can plug in there. Um, like you said at Oklahoma State, you know, they, the season was went down the tubes because they had some injuries. I, Allen at 210 plus pounds and potentially moving to linebacker. That sounds pretty good to me, though. That's that almost sounds like good news. Yeah, well, I maybe. I mean, unless if he wants to stay at safety, though, and we're not, you know, yeah. I don't know if he has we're those not. instincts as a linebacker. It took it took Demarvin Overshone three full years to get ready. Is that but, Allen or Larry Turner Gooden? Oh, uh, it's, it's B.J. Allen. So hey, Larry Turner Gooden was the big yeah. one. Yeah, but Allen played out to me. Allen looked best in high school as a as a wildcat trigger man. And that was all about, you know, reading, having vision to read holes in the box and find gaps. So that would give me some hope that he might actually translate the linebacker, you know, if he wants to. That's always the big thing with the safety is whether they actually want to. Here's some other here's some other big portal needs for Texas, though, to answer the original question. Pass rush. If you can find pass rush in the portal, Texas, you have to get it. I, that's hard, but it's possible. You know, they were in on. Two guys last year that might have helped solve that problem. Probably O'Shawn Mathis would have, may have ended up being fool's gold. Uh, Drew Sanders seemed like the ideal fit. He ended up playing inside linebacker for Arkansas, which was weird. He had like nine and a half sacks doing it. Anyway, uh, if you can find an edge that can place a gofu on the weak side, that's worth. That's probably the biggest addition Texas can make in the portal for the second year in a row. They have a Here's lot of guys point. that I like there long term. Uh, Vasek down the line, Burke probably will be good there. Taff we haven't seen that much of yet. They could maybe start Finkley and and Sorrell at the same time, but ideally you bring in an instant impact weak side edge and you get them in and with PK ASAP to learn all the stunts and, and whatnot. And then um, you know they need reliability at receiver. They may need numbers at receiver. We'll see how everything shakes out. Like, you know, they're expecting a lot of guys to get out. If they don't have Whittington back, they absolutely have to go get, like, a go a reliable chain mover to, to fit in there. And uh, I would argue, ideally, they would add, like, a grad transfer quarterback that could at least be insurance for Quinn Ewers, if not for Quinn Ewers, like, you know, if he gets injured or slips on an office segue or something. Um <laughs> I, ideally, even to push him, right? Hey, time out, time out. They're lime scooters at the University of Texas. Let's be clear. They're not segways. <laughs> Go I ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, I've been around the campus a lot in the last several uh, months, and those lime scooters are darn near everywhere. Go ahead, bud. Well, you know, God forbid that Ewers finds himself in one of those and hits a banana peel on the quad or something. Um, ideally, also, you'd have a guy just, you know, Yours wasn't very good this year. And uh, you don't want to go into next year and it's like, oh, shoot, yours isn't very good. And now Card is gone. And so it's either redshirt freshman Malik Murphy spent last year reworking his mechanics or it's true freshman Arch Manning. That's not a good situation. So I don't know if Sark sees it that way. We'll find out. But I, I think Texas would be well served by grabbing. A, probably can't grab a Devin Leary. Like that guy will not going to want to come compete with yours. But. There's probably somebody out there that might. Um, and then, uh, yeah, probably linebacker as well. 
if nothing else, another DDT depth guy. Um, I don't think you can really replace Overshone, uh, especially if, you know, they want to lock down Anthony Hill, which may make it hard to go recruit some big-time playmaker out of the portal. And Anthony Hill maybe could start for them next year. But at the very least, they need to get like a DDT that just, you know, depth insurance at safety and, and linebacker would be essential. Demonte Tucker Dorsey who you're talking about. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think one thing with this is this is we kind of mentioned this. This is the first time we've done this big window. And so we don't necessarily know like the timelines on, you know, let's say so Miles Jones, Texas A&M DB. He just jumped in the portal. Whoa. How? How soon does he want to make a decision? How soon does he want to do something? And is it, you know, in this case, is it He, he just did it just now? That means yeah. they're losing Miles Jones. Uh, they already lost Jalen Jones, the corner. NFL. Uh, Elijah Judy. But, like, let's say – Smoke Bowie is supposed to leave, too. Right. So, Johnson. But the the big thing is, it's like, are all these decision timelines, where are they? And where do they line up with December 21st? Because I don't, you know, if if Texas is able to hang on to uh, Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams, those are two guys who could get a lot of snaps next year already. Um, So you kind of have to figure out, okay, uh, how do you want to divvy up snaps at this point when you have two pretty highly touted top 40 in the case of Williams, top 25 type guy uh, who could come in and play right away. How does that affect the portal recruits? How does that affect high school recruits? It's it's a you know it's a balancing act that we're going to figure out who can do here in this first year. And I think you you still have to consider some of the talented guys that you're bringing in um, at from the high school level. I want to say this too. You're talking about timing, and and it made me immediately think of something that ties in with what. Ian was saying about another quarterback, like a second, like an insurance policy at quarterback, essentially is what Ian's uh, describing. You don't necessarily have to get that guy right now. Maybe you wait until after spring practice and see what they look like and then go, because there are going to be others, others guys that lose their start. Here's, here's what's going to happen in spring ball. There's going to be another group of guys going the portal guys that lost the starting quarterback competition in the spring or see a clear writing on the wall. And it may be somebody that gets a a senior that gets overtaken by a younger guy. That might be your insurance policy. Yeah. Uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey just tweeted out. He's entering the portal. So there we go. (laughs) What? Really? So he didn't have a six year because of probably because of. uh, What was a six year? I I don't know. He's (laughs) looking for another spot. It looks like. Well, you know, Joe, I would push back though, Bobby. I want viewers to feel as much heat in the spring as possible. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. To maximize that time. And I would be nervous about a new quarterback coming in uh, after spring for Texas and then learning the whole Sark playbook in time to really make a realistic go at, at, at the fall. 
Hey, this this is crazy. Um, look, there are guys with sixth years is another con contributing factor to this right now that we're not talking about. Not only is there the portal, not only is there uh, NIL, but now you've got a sixth year of eligibility because of COVID. I mean, you, you get all of those factors together and you have just plain old chaos. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, Tucker Dorsey, I thought, played well in spots, uh, you know, and helped serve a need at Texas. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it looks like uh, it look, looks like one of those things. I wonder if they're saying he put a laughing emoji. Um, do you think that yeah. means that he's just joking, Joe? Or can you can you check on that, Joe, and see if he's actually in the portal? Uh, he's not yet. I let me do some digging on that. Um, but no, he hadn't. He had his name hadn't shown up yet. I had thought that he that this was his sixth year. I did too. I could be wrong. I thought he had already used up. Uh, five. He years. may have deleted it. He oh, may have already deleted it. Maybe he's messing with everybody. Oh goodness, that would be good. Uh. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah, I, we have to deal with this too. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Hey, um, I want to keep talking about the portal a little bit later. Miles Jones going in is big news for A and M because that's another spot that uh, you know they just they can't uh, they're, they're going to go serious attrition. Hey, um, Ian, I had a question. I wrote an article on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday morning, uh, and one of the things that just st sticks in my craw a little bit is the lack of holding calls in the Big 12 this year. I mean, they were just – one of the – and I – and I look, I watched that Saturday game. Max Duggan, what a what a performance. I mean, I, if you root for college football players and saw that, you're like, dude, that guy has a, has a sack to him, and he's, he's playing to win and giving it everything he's got, right? At the same time, three or four times I see him escape the pocket to the outside and – the edge guys get tugged. It's not a, it's not an egregious hold. It's not like they've got full jersey and you can see them stretch out, but it's clearly a hold where they're impeding the edge's progress to him to cut off a lane. And the, the hold is not being called. And if if they're gonna do that, I don't know what I don't even know how you're supposed to defend that in the future with any kind of fleet footed quarterback. Just wait till they're in the in the Fiesta Bowl or whatever against Michigan's edges and those cold they don't get those calls anymore. That's gonna be a it's gonna be a that, that's, that's, I, that's immediately what my thought was because dude, if if those you're gonna get those guys are I, I turned on and watched the Big Ten game that night, um on Saturday night, and the very first play I see, they call a hold against a Purdue guy that literally in the Big 12, that's a pancake. <laughs> they think it's a pancake because he escapes right and basically falls on it. I, I, uh, I, I feel like the Big 12 has got to do something with its, uh, with its holding situation. I don't know what it is. Do you have an idea of what they're doing at the Big 12 or what you think they're calling versus not calling in? Not to get, you know, tinfoil hat here, but Kevin Marr and his crew that, that ref the Big 12 championship game where the same guys that refed those two games for Texas were, you know, fans were outraged because, you know, between Oklahoma State and, uh, and uh, was it, Baylor, only one penalty was called 
on Texas's opponent. And Texas didn't get any holding penalties in either game, even though you could watch their defensive tackles get grabbed throughout the game. I don't <clears> – <throat> the fun conspiracy theory would be that the Big 12 was trying to push TCU through to the playoffs, right? I I don't know. But I, 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 I do think this. The Big 12 knows their brand is offense. And this year, the Big 12 had a lot of iffy pass-protecting offensive lines and a lot for the Big 12, a lot of pretty good pass rushers. And I don't think the Big 12 wanted their product, especially in like a big national game like this, to be defined by their uh, their fun, exciting offenses just getting stuffed by a good pass rush. So I think the league probably wants to de-emphasize, you know, probably wants to to give the offensive line whatever help they can get in uh, in making these scores go up and creating these exciting back and forth into game scenarios that we all enjoy about the Big Twelve. But the, the way you get that is that you take these schools that don't have very good offensive lines and you give them as many advantages as you can with the way you call the game. So, you know, a little conspiratorial, but, you know, it makes sense. It's, it's hard to argue with just the, the raw stats and just what you see with your eyes, which is that guys get away with murder and the league doesn't seem to have a problem with it because their top crew is – you know, as bad as anyone in the league in, in the officials' office at trying to at trying to crack down on holding. They have a yeah, top crew. I, what's that? They have a top crew. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you guys. Um, do y'all think the college football playoff committee got it right? Yes. Yeah, I don't think there should be four. This is one of those years where maybe you don't need a fourth team, but you have to fill it. I think, maybe you don't need a third team this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I think I Georgia and, and Michigan earned the right to play for the national championship during the regular regular season. That's why I don't. I, you know, it, it's one of those situations where some people, if I if Ohio State gets hot and backs in, or if they won't back in, they'll have to go go through Georgia to get there. But um, or excuse me, uh, yeah, go through Georgia. Uh, yeah. TCU gets there, they'll have earned it too. But I, I just feel like. Uh, this is one of those situations where that perfect regular season should pay dividends somehow, right? At, at least, at least they protected. They don't make Michigan play. They don't make Michigan beat Ohio State twice in a row, right? Michigan, Michigan came out awesome in this arrangement. They get to, you know, they served them up some frog legs for round one. Um, that's a that's a really lopsided matchup. I don't think people realize that holding thing alone. That's going to be a, a tough game for TCU. But I, it, it felt like they protected the integrity. I, what I said this morning, they protected the integrity of the competitive architecture of college football. They made it matter that Georgia won the SEC championship and was undefeated. They made it matter that TCU had a much better record than Alabama, even though we know that Nick Saban is really right. Like if Alabama is a much scarier team to put in the playoffs than TCU to the other entrance. But then you're, you're just denying – they need to earn it on the field and you're just kind of diminishing the overall regular season. So I, I think they did a good job of, yeah, just protecting the integrity of what happens on the field actually matters. And we're not going to be overly subjective to try to chase the, the high ratings and the exciting teams. We're going to try to at least pretend like these conferences are actually, you know, relatively equal and in, in each have their own merit. So, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I learned something interesting this week 
end. I didn't know if y'all uh, had known this. So in the new format, the 12-team format, did you guys realize that that the four, the four teams that get a bye have to have been conference champions? Right. So that it would have been Clemson, right? Or Kansas that, State. What would you say? It would have been Clemson or Kansas State, right? Well, yeah. But no, no, no. This isn't what I'm saying, though. This, bear with me. Four, four conference champions have to be get the buys. What's interesting is Notre Dame, who has long been like had special treatment from the college football playoff folks and BCS to get included in it, they can never get a buy in a 12 team playoff because they'll never be a conference champion. How's that for turnabout? I mean, and, and as, as someone that, that felt like Notre Dame got unfair advantage being an independent as it related to the BCS, even though they never took real advantage of it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things that that's interesting. I do want to go back and say Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Uh, it was a joke. It looks like uh, for folks that were joining in later or earlier, uh, Joe Cook <laughs> joke. This is what happens when you're the managing editor of a publication that covers the Longhorns. <laughs> It drives you to drink more than just coffee in the morning, huh, Joe? <laughs> hey, I see we got a, a good question from Jay, the activist, if we want to hit that. Yeah. So, yeah, what did Bama prove on the field that proves they're better than TCU? Um, I don't think they did. They lost two games and didn't make their conference title game. I think, I mean, if if there was going to be a two-loss team that made it all the way there, I thought it could have been – LSU, uh, but the Aggies derailed that chance. This is, hey, the the floor for Bama is a lot of people's ceilings, but this is not one of the best Bama teams. They're already going to try and run off half the staff, it seems like. They can't throw the ball, or they can throw the ball, uh, but their wide receivers leave stuff to be desired. Their best receivers, their running back, um, and, you know, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner can only do so much. So, uh, I don't think that Bama did anything to prove on the field that they're better in TCU. Uh, now, a lot of the star watchers and, and roster builders may want to think that, well, the team's built better. You know, TCU's got all these, you know, Gary Patterson specials. Alabama's got five stars. And it's like, well, they, the, the Gary Patterson specials won 12 games and was an overtime period away from winning 13. I, Jay is right. Jay is right that TCU earned it and Alabama didn't. but. If TCU and Alabama played and TCU had to block Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, like what do we what do we think is gonna happen there? Right. Well, they could they couldn't line up and to your point, it'd have to be the wide receiver quick game, and Bama's DBs will be able to take care of them. Yeah. Um, and so that that the way Texas uh thwarted the Alabama pass rush was the use of extra tight ends. TCU doesn't have those. And in, um, in a five-star left tackle, and another tackle that might get drafted in a m- couple months. Yeah, you, yeah, you and I on the same page there. I, look, I think the problem, and that's going to be the problem that TCU has with Michigan. Uh, if the Michigan corners and, and DBs can handle the wide receiver quick game uh, from from TCU, that's going to be a a disjointed uh, situation. Uh, I, I will say this: I thought TCU uh, was a much more disciplined football team than Alabama and that could come into play and that's one of the reasons why Alabama lost two games in the first place and teetered on the edge of losing others like to Texas and Texas A&M uh, they just were not very disciplined this year 
in in my opinion. Uh, even even allowing Tennessee to come back down and score, uh, their defense just left a lot to be desired, desired especially in the back half, I, I think, this year. Um, thoughts on Texas possibly going after edge Desan McCullough from IU or Jeremiah, Jeremiah John Baptiste from UCF? So I, I don't know about Baptiste. Let me take the McCullough from uh, Indiana. Uh, he is was, I think, the nation's leader as a freshman. Uh, in sacks with four and a half or five and a half. Uh, the, the reality of it here is his dad, what, when he signed with IU, his dad was an assistant coach at Indiana. His dad is now an assistant coach at Notre Dame. Dad or brother? Thought it was the dad. Well, there's a relation on the coaching staff. Yeah. Okay? My point being, I don't know if that's going the way of Notre Dame now. He also looked at, uh, at Ohio State. He is originally from the Midwest. I don't know that he's going to get out of the Midwest with this recruitment. Would he be a guy that Texas should go after? Absolutely. Will he be a guy that they could get? I kind of doubt that. I don't know much about Jeremiah John Baptiste. He's not a name I had heard. I don't know if either of you guys have anything y'all want to add on that one. I I think they're going to prioritize Anthony Hill first. And uh, I, I don't know if they're going to want to bring in a linebacker that's mega competition to start immediately when you have, you know, this like highest rated player in the state of Texas, right? In Hill. Um, Baptiste would be sort of the, the type you'd go after though. He's experienced. He's, he's probably, I don't think he's going to be a hot commodity exactly just looking at his stats, but he might be, you know, a really good depth piece. If he decides that there's not that much to play for at UCF next year and he'd rather play for a bigger stage or whatever, basically like Tucker Dorsey. But I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't quite seem the profile. He doesn't quite seem the profile that Texas would be looking for, which I, I would think might be even lower, like uh, like Tucker Dorsey was, where it's, you know, well, you may not start here, but at least you're at Texas and not wherever you were before. So, yeah. I, look, um, talking with uh, Ian Boyd and Joe Cook of InsideTexas.com, uh, the scoop on InsideTexas.com just went up moments ago. Uh, that's our week, uh, one of our weekly recruiting segments put together by Jerry Hamilton, Justin Wells, and Eric Nalin of Inside Texas. Uh, if you get a chance, please make sure you read that. That's got some interesting uh, news and nuggets surrounding the portal as well. Uh, for more information than what we're even going on over here on today's live stream. Um, you, you know, to recap really what we're saying here, Ian um, and Joe, we think they need a wide receiver, uh, at least one, uh, just for, for depth and someone that's proven they can do it at the NCAA level. Uh, because right now, Brennan Thompson and Savion Red really haven't proven that, you know. Um, and Casey Kane does not appear to be the third receiver answer. Xavier Worthy, we don't know about Isaiah Nayor's injury. And after Casey Kane, Troy O'Meara is gone. Jaden Alexis never likely really going to be the same either. There's just nobody else there that's in the cupboard uh, that Texas is really thinking about right now. So a wide receiver, a safety, maybe a cornerback for depth, uh, potentially, just because they were so thin a year ago and lost Jameer Johnson just now or to the portal. Uh, and then possibly a linebacker edge uh, type guy uh, that can get after the passer. Those are kind of the positions. And then possibly look at maybe a quarterback late if they don't like what they already have. But I mean, I, I, I'm a little higher on Quinn Ewers, I think, than maybe, maybe you are 
you guys are. I think he actually played well late in the year as the season wore on, and they reduced his responsibilities. Um, so, uh, hey, uh, Joe, um, anything uh, of note happening right now around campus that you want to talk about beyond basketball, uh, women's volleyball in the Sweet 16? I, I think they've now made the Sweet 16 in women's volleyball for 17 straight seasons. I mean, yeah, that's, that's older than my youngest son has been alive, wow. and he's a junior in high school. So Yeah, that may be uh, – uh, well, I was going to say maybe the best sport on campus, but uh, Eddie Reese may have something to say about that. But, yeah, they're, uh, they're a powerhouse. Uh, maybe the best pound-for-pound -pound athlete on campus, and Logan Eggleston is, uh, you know, a superstar and, you know, trying to end her last season with a – a uh, big time, you know, uh, you know, a ring for the Longhorns, all American, you know, does everything. I think what six rotation, Bobby, you know more about that than I do, but I know that means that she is a do it all player. So uh, big thing going on there. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, women's basketball. We talked about Chris Beard, Vic Schaefer's program got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, missing uh, the, the point guard, um, forgetting Rory Harmon, Har uh, Rory Harmon. Uh, has to do a lot with missing her, but, uh, you know, it should still be a pretty exciting uh, season and uh, end of fall season and beginning of the winter season for uh, the Longhorns. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking at all of this and, and you know, I, I've asked everybody this question. Um, do we know, do we have any surprises, Longhorns going into the portal this week? You think any, any, y'all expecting any surprises? I don't think – I mean, well, I mean, if it was going to be Tucker Dorsey, but I think we figured out he's out of eligibility. Um, looking at the guys who have been in there, um, you know, I, I, I can't really think of anything that – I don't think we're going to see just a flat foot knock us on our ass surprise. I really don't. Now, we may see someone who's like, oh, dang, that stinks, and maybe we didn't think he was going to go in there. But I don't think you're going to see, like – you know, based off everything we've heard of the the reported guys and stuff like that, I don't think we're going to see anything just like, whoa, what's he doing? And he was going to have, you know, 38 tackles next year, you know, that type of thing. I don't expect that. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot of these. I mean, there's some there's some players who could use this for leverage. Uh, we'll see if, if Texas wants to play ball that way. But uh, and that's not to say that that's going to happen. It's going to happen, you know, all over the place. It just kind of depends on where uh, it takes, you know, what school it takes place at. So I, I don't think we're tracking anything that'll be like a dire loss. I think the, the Xavier Worthy rumors have been well, you know, well talked out and anything else has too. So, I, I mean, if we see it, we'll be right on it on Inside Texas. Uh, this is your next one. Read the screen, Joe, just for yourself. <laughs> Jimbo is entering the portal against his will. Do they have $90 million? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Hey, um, uh, we're looking at this, uh, another news little piece here. Baker Mayfield, the former OU quarterback, looks like he's going on waivers. Uh, his experiment as a pro quarterback may be nearing an end. Um, uh, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, well, wait, couldn't he, couldn't he go with the 49ers? He they could. I mean, gonna, he can go anywhere. He's getting waived. Go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, may, I mean, we might see Baker Mayfield in the playoffs in a minute here because I think they just tried to sign like Josh Johnsons. I know, I know. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, you got a pump fake Purdy, back foot Purdy, or or Baker Mayfield. 
Hey, um, Super Bowl. One of the things uh, I want to finish off with here before we, we get going today, uh, I thank you all for being with me on this live stream. Uh, appreciate it. I think the fans enjoy this stuff. I, we we know we enjoy talking about it. Uh, but Ian and, and, and Joe, uh, I, we talk about all this. One thing that's intriguing to me is not only is the portal going on, uh, but recruiting is going on simultaneously. You've mentioned a couple of times now, Ian, uh, Anthony Hill, uh, over the weekend, uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, was in uh, uh, Florida to meet with uh, Cedric Baxter, uh, the nation's top running back who's committed to Texas uh, out of Orlando. Uh, he also met with Peyton Kirkland, the big offensive lineman out of Orlando that's committed to Texas. Uh, it's an interesting situation there. Uh, these coaches are having to dual recruit right now. Uh, and these players for both the high school and college level can come in on visits at any time up until the last weekend before National Signing Day, which is December 21st. Uh, Texas is having its big recruiting weekend, the December 17th weekend. So Cedric Baxter, Sadir Mitchell, uh, those guys all expected in on the December 17th weekend. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But uh, wanted to show you all this picture uh, of Cedric Baxter, uh, Tashar Choice, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, Baxter's father, and Kyle Flood, the offensive line coach, there on the far right uh, of the photo. Um, you know, Joe and Ian, y'all have any thoughts about how Texas finishes out this recruiting class and uh, how they're going to mix together the coaches being on the road for both? It, it, it kind of shows the importance of the guys who can't get back out on the road. You know, there's uh, teams these days and programs these days have to basically have an entire – I don't want to say entire portal scouting department, but it, it kind of is that they have to be able to divide and conquer all these responsibilities. So um, I don't know how now granted the coaches are the one who have to uh, maintain the the contact and be the, the real initial point of contact. But um, it, a lot of the legwork is what's most important. I, I feel like the guy identifying the right guys, getting them in contact with the right guys um, and, and making sure that, you know, they, they know who to talk to in the portal because yeah, you got to be able to balance all this stuff. Um, and that just shows how much the infrastructure of the program, how important that is uh, as, a, and not just, you know, the infrastructure is important as is the personnel. To Joe's, to Joe's point, there's been articles in the last few weeks about two different playoff teams and important staff hires they have. Uh, Sonny Dyke says this like right-hand man, that does a lot of their portal evaluations and a lot of their, and that's how they find like an NFL cornerback and Josh Newton that gives them two NFL quarterbacks, cornerbacks this year. And it's partly why they're in the playoffs. This guy that's like enormously instrumental for Dykes and managing strategy and helping Dykes to just delegate one more thing so that he can oversee the gazillion other things the head coach has to deal with today. And then there was another article about a similar guy like that in Michigan that Jim Harbaugh pulled out of uh, the high school ranks. That's been like his, uh, you know, consigliere in, in terms of shaping Michigan strategy. So to Joe's point, there's so much going on for coaches to manage these days. It's really, I mean, the CEO head coach that, that used to be a halfway a slur against Mac Brown is now like an, an essential component to the game. If you can't hire great people and delegate, this game will swallow you up. So, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how well how well Sark's staff is handling uh, some of these challenges in the coming weeks. We'll see how, how well they maximize what should be a strong position. 
A uh, couple of th thoughts here. I haven't heard anything. People are asking about uh, Gary Patterson and uh, his foray with uh, UNLV. I have not heard uh, anything further on that. Um, uh, I think it was Mike Stoops at Arizona <laughs> Patterson. Uh, those guys were supposed to be up for the job at UNLV. So we'll have to see how that turns out. Uh, nice. And then at Tulsa, another question came up. Uh, Barry Odom the Arkansas defensive coordinator, who is a native Oklahoman uh, turn and the former head coach at Missouri turned the job down, apparently could not come to terms uh, with Tulsa on salary and other issues uh, surrounding that program. So they may be back to square one as of this morning. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We had a good time. Uh, please join us at InsideTexas.com. We're there each and every day. Go read the scoop if you get a chance uh, this morning. Uh, for Ian Boyd and Joe Cook, I'm Bobby Burton, and thanks for watching.